You are listening to the Fire and Lunch podcast. As a reminder to those listeners wishing to remain unspoiled for the books, run. This is an all-spoiler podcast. All published books and novellas are fair game. Thanks. And who are you? The proud face said that I must eat this pie. This podcast is brought to you by the latest single from Sir Braun of the Blackwater, the most welcome, the Dornishman's Wife. As only the third song in recorded Westerosi history, we can tell you that this one will be a surefire hit. Hello, we are Fire and Lunch. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 34, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. I'm Jenny. I'm Rachel. I'm Elena. All right. So this week we have a special guest, Elena, back. Um, we You were on when we did the uh, Floppy Ears and uh, Crackpot Theories podcast. Yes, uh, the fashion historian. Yes, you yes. made us sound very smart, so we're happy that you're back. And I brought Listen. libations. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. Very, very appreciated. Yes. Um, we, we do have a fashion moment to talk about in this episode, so that's good. You would also like to give a public service announcement about Mad Max? Oh, okay. So <laughs> I would, you know, need to hand in my card as a human being. If I didn't tell you that if you have not seen Mad Max 4, that you need to drop whatever you're doing and go see it immediately. And this will be the best choice that you've ever made in your life because it's the best goddamn movie I've ever seen. Second. Yes. Well, I can't drop everything because we're recording right now, but we're going to see it Wednesday. So yay for us. Yes. Yes. I only, I'm only sad that I can only see it one, one more time this week. If I could see it like five more times this week, that would be excellent. Well, yeah. someone has to edit this. <laughs> I believe the comment made after I got out of the theater was, if we didn't have a babysitter, we'd be watching this a second time tonight. That's... Yeah. Yeah. No, I just sat there and Joey was like, are we going to go? I'm like, maybe. Maybe they'll play it again. Maybe if we just sit here, I'll play it again. I'm sure they will eventually. Yeah. So yeah, great movie. Go see it. Uh, it'll make you want to go to Burning Man uh, just because of the visuals, but it's pretty much a perfect action movie so yes definitely endorsed all right so let's let's move into the episode it's a very <clears throat> controversial divisive episode we've been going back and forth all day yes um, and i do want to say that i think that we have assembled uh, a good group of people for this podcast i think we all represent uh, a good a good point of view so hopefully we'll we will offer our listeners a varied opinion Yes, Rachel's full... angry, Elaine's <laughs> less angry, and I'm kind of neutral trying to figure out how to approach it from a different perspective. Yeah, spoilers. <laughs> um, so before we get too far into it, we're going to give our Frey Pie ratings. Um, Elaine, are you familiar with our Frey Pie ratings? Uh, theoretically, at least. Theoretically. All right, so Rhaegar is the highest, Jared is the, the middle rating, and Simon is the worst rating. Um, okay. Just to get this out of the way, Jess gives it a Simon. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what anyone else gave it, but uh, Rachel, I, I see you wrote Rage Quit Pie. <laughs> what's below What's below a Simon? Like, is there, well, an, we, is, there, is there a the bastard of, fray that I can... There was a pie, the pie of brown. The pie of brown. last year. Yes, I remember that. Pie of brown. Uh, yes, if there is a bastard fray... That There's a lot of bastard phrase. A terrible one. This is like a a a, a small Walder pie. 
<laughs> I think Big Walter was was, was worse sh- than was Big Walter was the little one. Oh yes, yeah. okay, yes, the little Walter. So Big Walter, this is a Big Walter pie. <laughs> I'm. It was. It's terrible too because I was with this episode. I was. I was ready to call it like one of the better ones I'd seen in three seasons, and then it lost me. Which is funny because I'm actually going to go with it's my favorite episode of the season, or, or at least the best so far. She's giving it a Rhaegar, you guys. I'm getting sweaty. Yep. <laughs> it's, everything is fair game here. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm just going to say this. The whole Tyrion, uh, Tyrion lives until we find a cock merchant, that, that <laughs> went up a whole entire pie just for that line. So, well, context. Yeah. No, that was um, pretty good. It was a good scene. I'm, let's see. Well, I put in, in the doc I was going to give it a Ramsey pie. Because, but that was too hopeful. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice. Um, I guess since I've given everything else a Jared, I have to, like, I have to give it a Simon. But I'm going to go, we've been giving things Jared all a mode, so I'm going to give it a Simon all a mode. Uh, what is the mode made out of? I'm, I, I think it's made out of Rhaegar, though. Yeah? Because, uh, like, okay, so there's, like, there's, like, five storylines this episode, and three out of five of them are problematic, but the two that weren't problematic were good, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with, with Simon Mode with some right. regular ice cream. See, 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 listeners, we have such, we have such a varied episode in, in store for you. <laughs> Rachel can't even give it a rating, we've got a Rhaegar, and I'm, like, you know, wishy-washy in the middle. Uh, <clears throat> Alright, so... Let's let's give out our awards. Um, episode MVP, we've got uh, Tyrion for pointing out to Jorah that some of his life choices might be questionable. <laughs> also, you know the fact that he's never changed his shirt. <laughs> questionable choice number one. <laughs> he doesn't have options. I do like that Tyrion pointed out to Jorah, like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, like, like, that was good. Your plan is to bring me to Danny, and then what? What will this accomplish for you? I also like that he pointed out, like, okay, so you want the the girl who's never set foot in Westeros to rule Westeros, which is something that we've all been saying forever. Mm-hmm. Yep, somebody had to say it. Tyrion, voice of reason. I'm not. I'm not going to call him the unlikely voice of reason because that's pretty, usually pretty spot on with the. He's the audience voice. Yes. Yeah. He says what we're all thinking. And particularly biting since he hasn't had any drink for a while. Mm-hmm. That's true. He's he's suffering a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like that you also wrote as an alternate Tristane for taking a fist to the face like for tiny point. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like a boy band reject. He was. Know? I was like, somebody hit him in the face. <laughs> and then they did. And it was amazing. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Love Bron. Always good. Um, we're going to skip the Stark watch because that's depressing <laughs> and we're going to get to that. <laughs> well, no. Okay, fine. I'll make my joke then. It's the only joke I have for that. For that what one. that Bran was watching. <laughs> yes. I have I have a Stark, Stark watch joke. Who's Rickon? Okay. Seriously. Well, who, yeah. Who's Rickon? Like, we haven't seen them all season. Who the fuck is he? I for, I've forgotten. Yeah, I don't know, but speaking of not seeing people, I was talking to my Unsullied co-worker today, and he was like, we haven't seen that other kid that Bran, and I was like, he's talking about Bran, he's like, you know, they're like, 
he will fly and we haven't seen him all season. I'm saying that like, oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. It's because he's off flying somewhere. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I was really interested in that. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's, it's sad. All right. Um, Rachel wants to give the Ned Stark Award to herself. <laughs> yes, for not turning off the television when I should have turned it off. Well, it was at the very end. You would have seen most of it. No, I knew it was coming. As soon as he said, hey, Theon's stay, I was like, nope, I should be That's still the this very off. end of the episode. Oh, but it would have helped my life so much if I had <laughs> um, a rogue power outage. <laughs> uh, favorite fan shout out. We're going with our, uh, with our sponsor message that we finally got the Dornishman's wife, which Rachel and I were talking about uh, on, on Sunday yes, when we were coming home from we Philly. We were like, they have to include this at some point, right? It's right up their alley. But yeah. we didn't even get the ending, so... No, we didn't even get the part where he eats her out. Because, spoiler, that's the point of the <laughs> song. <laughs> maybe maybe Bronn will sing it while they're, you know, being held hostage by Doran. I hope so. <laughs> or whatever's going to happen. I hope so, too. Because I figured it was nice and nice and dirty, a good sort of Renfair-type ditty, but I was like, where where are we going with this? This is... It's a good song. I did predict that it would be the <laughs> Dornishman's wife and not uh, the hands of well, that. That will never Gold. happen. So no, that'll that, we'll be, we're beyond that point. Um, <clears throat> but let's let's just praise Jerome Flynn for having a good singing voice and making them want to give him songs to sing because otherwise, I doubt we would have gotten it. <laughs> he's the he's the only singer in the show. He's he's given us all the songs, right? Um, I don't think he sang okay. Fair and the Maiden Fair, but he sang Reigns of Castamere. He didn't. No, that was that was the Snow Patrol guy. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um but yeah, no, we need him to travel north so that we can get last to the giants. <laughs> yeah. If he makes it that far. <laughs> yeah, that we'll get to that. Um <laughs> favorite one liner we've already mentioned is the, the Tyrion line. Um The dwarf lives uh, until we find a cock merchant. Yes. Or about the dwarf sized cock, guess again. That was pretty good. He's yeah. like, well, how will he know that it's, that it's a dwarf's <laughs> cock? Well, it will be a dwarf-sized cock. Guess again. Guess again. <laughs> oh, and notice none of them weird. questioned him on that. Like, he spoke with such, like, absolute <laughs> conviction. They weren't, like, going to test it. They're like, oh, okay, we'll find, a, we'll find a cock merchant. Done. <laughs> you get to keep it. For now. <laughs> it, was, it was nice seeing... Too bad Ferris wasn't there. Again. I'm sure he would have had a good quip. Oh, he would have. <laughs> I miss Ferris. <laughs> Even though we saw him in the fair. Yeah, well, that's where he is. It's like, where'd he go? He went to, he went to the wearing, fair. Wearing his Nike sandals <laughs> at the Ren Fair. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, for best Ramin moment, as awful as the scene was that we were going to discuss later, I did think that the music during the wedding was particularly good. It, it helped I, set the ominous tone. Yeah, it was good. And I also, I don't re- actually remember the scene. I just, re- I don't often notice the music. So there was a part where I noticed <laughs> the music when it was in, we were in King's Landing and going through the streets. So I liked, mm. I liked that song. And, uh, and Jess liked the music when Arya was in the room of faces. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that was that also was music good. that, uh, that I noticed too. And I'm kind of with Rachel. I, I rarely notice it, but. Maybe just because that whole scene yeah, is so cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, we're skipping over Ollie Watch because there was no Ollie. 
Um, Grayscale Watch, Jorah hasn't died yet. Yay for him. He keeps touching it. What, doesn't he know? Don't touch it. I don't think he's touching it. He's just pulling it back and looking at it. It's like, yeah, that's definitely there. (laughs) It's still there. (laughs) I had a dream that it wasn't. I woke up. I had to look at it again. I mean, I guess it's... Uh, close your ears, Elena. But, you know, John okay. Connington didn't cut his arm off either, so I guess that's why Jorah's choosing to keep his arm? Well, John Connington only got it on the fingers. So he yeah. could have cut his fingers off. Jorah can't really... Well, I mean, Jorah could cut his whole arm off, but, like, I mean, Tyrion's gonna notice that. <laughs> I'm just now, if he just if he just, like, shaved the skin off, like, would that work? <laughs> I don't know. Is it a skin-borne disease? Does it go all the way in? Is it in the blood? These are things we really I don't know. know. Well, I mean, it, it clearly is contracted by skin-to-skin contact because... Yeah, we know it's not water. The, yeah. The snowman grabbed Tyrion's leg, but he grabbed his pants, so, you know, it's clearly has to be transferred skin-to-skin. I have but... to say, that's the one thing that I miss is the Tyrion obsessively pricking his toes yes me too <laughs> i can still feel everything it's good i'm good it's good i don't have it i don't have great skill <laughs> i do miss that that was good that would have been nice um, if he was just like sitting on a rock just like poking his foot with a, <laughs> with one of, you know? jorah's like what the hell are you doing jorah's like shut like, up i have great scale damn it stop, stop rubbing it in i'm waiting for Tyrion <laughs> to like see him checking his arm and be like uh What's so, that? do you have something you want to tell me? <laughs> I did see someone, someone suggested that he was going to be announced in the, the pit fighting as um, Jorah the Grey. Oh, <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> so, do we know if in the show that, you know, in the books, the, the, the stone men aren't just called the stone men because they look like that. They actually weigh more. So, do they? Yeah, there's like a whole thing about how they like sink in the water and oh, well they did do a lot of sinking in the water when they jumped. Yeah, in. so I'm like, I wonder if like Jorah is gonna develop like like a Hellboy hand, you know, like he can just <laughs> like, smash people with it. Well, that'd be really unfortunate. People would be running the other way because you know if he smashes their face in, they're gonna get grayscale on their face. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. But yeah, I would assume that the stone would make. Their bodies turning to stone would make them heavier, maybe. So I have a, I have, I, I do have a problem with the plan of taking Jorah to Marine to sell him to the pits. Is that if Danny only lets free men fight in the pits? Yeah. Who are I don't they know. Well, I, to sell him to. I, f- I feel like that's kind of the the dramatic irony for the audience is that we know that they're gonna, f- it's gonna fuck up for them, and they don't know that. Yes? No? Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> or they're just still going to be slavers there, and they're going to be like, no, my queen, these are all free men. Yeah, and, and then the joke is <laughs> oh, that there's going to be dramatic irony that we know something Danny doesn't know. Either way. Yeah. Which many people know things that Danny doesn't know. And I love yeah. Danny, but you know. <laughs> Alright, yeah. so moving into our introductions, uh, we, of course, we got uh, Tristan Martell, as we mentioned, the uh, lost, long-lost boy band member. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can sing the Dornishman's Wife. Maybe he and Bronn can form a duo. I would expect no? him to be able to sing or do something besides stand around. He's a he's a Martell, you oh. know? They've all got, like, a talent. They're like X-Men. <laughs> that would be more interesting, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he did seem kind of like a <clears throat> useless candy waste. But... Yeah, a little bit. Uh, we also got to meet the new actress that plays Marcella. Yeah, I miss Amy, but, you know, yeah. she was fine. I mean, I saw people pointing out that she's kind of like season one Sansa, and that's kind of true. Yeah. I kind totally. I, I miss... And, I mean, this gets into, like, nerd rage and, like, my problems with Dorne, but, like, I miss the character development of her, like, playing Saivas with Tristan and, like, beating him all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, actually showing intelligence. I miss that. Yeah, because she's just kind of, like... So that's a little unfortunate that we lose that. Yeah, she's a little well-educated Lannister girl, you know? She should have a little bit more fire. And uh, we some. also got um, Mr. Echo... Um, or whatever his name is in the show Malco or whatever yeah yeah the the slaver the slaver that that takes Tyrion and Jorah I'm just gonna call him Mr. Echo Um, I think everyone is yeah Uh, yeah so and then places we have the the face storage room as Rachel put it um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was <clears throat> way more impressive and bigger than I ever imagined it to be. Yeah, I always like imagine this really dark room and they're all just kind of hanging around on like a picture rail. Well, I think I think part of that came from the that calendar picture where it's yeah. just like they just look like they're hanging on like little like hangers on the wall. Like it's not like this big expansive room. So, I mean, it was very cool to see. Yeah, it's um, nice because you got to see that, you know, these are all of the people that come, you know, have come through the, you know, the House of Black and White. But yes. the it's interesting because you always think like, okay, well, how do these people make money? And I think like this is something that maybe Arya should be thinking about a little bit more because, yeah, sure, they're like skimming off of the dead and taking whatever's in their pockets. But they sure do have a lot of people there. <laughs> yeah, I actually was kind of questioning the math on that room. I'm like, I know that's a big room and there's a lot of pillars, but she's seeing like three bodies a day. And if you kind of multiply that out through, I mean, that place looks like it's been there a couple centuries. Like that's a lot of goddamn people. A lot of, a lot of heads. Yeah. They've got yeah, a, they've got a, 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 what do you call it? A Somewhere there's a, there's like a, the compressed storage you get like in law offices where you like roll them, you know, <laughs> and you have 20, uh, 20 files in two yards or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, it's like, it's maybe it's like, you know, like the stacks in the library, like things move and like mm-hmm. get more, more shelves in there. Right. Like how um, do they file them? Like, are they just there? Do you just put the next face where in the next open space? Is there space? a card catalog for faces? Yeah, is it like by race? Is it by city? Like I don't know. There were age? a lot of white people there. Yeah, I think I yeah, think it's there definitely were, there were by race. And there's like this is the white room. <laughs> these are the these are the ones you'll get. I don't know. <laughs> um, we got we got our reintroduction of the Winterfell Godswood. Nice to see the heart tree again. By the um, way, yeah, pretty look- prettiest wedding um, setting that we've seen. Just gonna throw that out there. That was actually a really beautifully staged ceremony. Mm-hmm. Too bad it was that wedding. Um, <laughs> yes, but then, you know. <laughs> and we got more of the uh, the water gardens, which had no which, water in them. I was gonna say which had no water. Like where <laughs> were the children playing? I don't know. I was Maybe like, this is just a retread of the 
gardens in King's Landing. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think, uh, I don't know, I always kind of got a weird vibe off of the constant watching of the naked children in the fountains <laughs> in the water garden. So I can understand why they didn't just like literally translate that. But you know, I would expect there to be water in the water garden. Yeah, he would. He would. I think that there's... There's got there's some sort of pool or something. I feel like I remember that from the photos, but I don't know. Well, um, but if, if you compare it to the to the rest of the Dornish landscape that we saw, it's I think it's supposed to be like desert oasis where like sure that's all like sand and beach and you know hot sun and then here's where we concentrate the water and so we can grow trees and that that was my take on it. Was it supposed to yeah. be like oasis? Maybe the green garden or the garden <laughs> with plants. <laughs> The greenhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we got the the uh, trial of the faith room. <laughs> the pre-trial Yeah, is that, where are they? Are they, are they in the know. Red Keep? Are they, are they in the... The Sept? Oh, God. Yeah, are they in the Sept? Like, where are they? I have no idea. <clears throat> a place where no good happens. That's true. And a very small room for what they were trying to do in there, I think. Yeah. I think it was like the... the, <laughs> Take- the the, the Red Keep's worst broom closet. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we'll just take 10 of the most important people in the universe and we'll stick them in this tiny room. It'll be fine. Just a small Hello. intimate trial. I mean, who? In- inquest. Inquest. I'm, I'm sorry. Did, did I say trial? Inquest. But that's all An this inquest. is. Yeah. And also, I would want a bigger room if I was in that room with the, with the High Sparrow because he looks stinky. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not changing uh, your shirt. <laughs> yeah, did they ever change those robes? No, Probably man. Not. He didn't, no, he's nasty. He doesn't wear shoes either, so. No. Um, so yeah, and, our, and we already mentioned that we got our third song, so that's exciting. Um, yes. Alright, so moving into our Rhaegar all the mode moments before we delve too far into Nerd Rage. Um, we've mentioned that we, we enjoyed the Tyrion and Jorah scenes. I, I liked getting to hear their exchange about, um, the Gior, Lord Commander Mormont, and that, uh, Jorah finding out that he was dead. That was, that was yes. sad. And such a helpful flashback at the beginning of the episode for us if we yes, didn't remember who, who Lord Commander Mormont was. <laughs> or well, you know, the previously on always telegraphs everything that's going to happen in the episode. So what would we do without it? Um, did he find out in the books? I don't remember. I, I was trying to remember and I just couldn't. <laughs> I, yeah, me neither. It's I mean, like I don't know who would have told him know. other than I Tyrion, mean, he's not Littlefinger. But... He can't know everything. <laughs> well, apparently Littlefinger doesn't know everything, which oh, is bullshit, but we'll get started. to that. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, and, I thought that was a really good that... scene. It was a nice way to kind of connect them back to Westeros because they are, yeah. you know, men who are in a foreign land and mm-hmm. they both have like shitty relationships with their dads. So, you know, it was like a little bonding moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hey, we know and... some of the same people. We're like one degree yes. of separation here. Yeah, and I also <laughs> thought it was nice because, you know, Tyrion's like, I murdered my father. And then when <laughs> when Jorah found out about his father, who, you know, had basically excommunicated him, mm-hmm. uh, he was still really gutted about it. So, it, you know, that makes them opposites in a way. Yeah. Like that. I mean, maybe the Ned Stark Awards should go to Jorah, who's just 
so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Honorable that, that but dumb. Yeah. yeah. That's the Ned Stark award is, is honor before intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, you know, dumb guys. <laughs> yes. The dumb dumb uh, award. <laughs> and we've mentioned that, that we liked him questioning him about Danny, so that was also good. Yeah. Um, and, and Tyrion trying to get out, being able to talk his way out of anything, so. Always love that. He's very good at it. Yeah, he's so entertaining. He should entertain people. Hmm. <laughs> he should do some somersaults. <laughs> Just some another drunk dwarf, you know. <laughs> some backflips. Maybe get him a mount of some kind. Well, they should have picked up Gary in in in, uh, in Valyria, and then they could have done a tumbling act together. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> but yes, he should be riding. Um, a pig of some sort or something. Or a, or a dog, I think. He or a dog. dog. Did he ride the dog? You think he rode the, rode the dog? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the book is a silly place. <clears throat> oh, for crunch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, and we talked about um, Arya and the Hall of Faces. Uh, and we... Um, I Okay, so let's talk about this. Because before she gets to see the Hall of Faces, she has to sort of pass this trial about the right. Game of Lies. Yes. And it kind of takes her a little bit to figure out what the game is. Yes. Uh, but I like that they kind of kept that in. I like that they had the wave tell the whole story and you see the look on her face like, oh, she understands me. This is great. Yeah. And she's like, so I was totally lying about all of that. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I really like how mean? when later on when she's confronted by Jockin and she gets hit every time you can detect yeah. a lie. And she's like, and I hated the hound. And he's just like, smack, smack, um, smack. It's like, okay, so you, you guys interpreted that uh, as her saying she didn't care about him. Because I actually uh, interpreted that as, um, like, she was she's using the past tense. And he's saying, you're lying, you still hate him. And that's why you're not oh, ready to move was, forward. I thought it was he smacked her every time he detected a lie. And when she said right. she hated the hound, he smacked her because she doesn't hate the hound. She loves the hound. Okay, so that that that's that's one reading, which my yeah. reading was that he was like he was basically being a grammar Nazi and saying, No, no, you still hate him. You can't pretend like that was this thing that you used to feel and don't anymore. You still hate him. But oh, I see. I, I actually that like your sense. But I like your thought better. I think it makes more sense in the bigger context. But that it was is where an interesting game and I thought it was actually a little weird that she was rewarded for it by being well, I guess she was rewarded for a different reason, but... Yeah, she was rewarded for the lie she told the little right. girl. Yeah, but, because it's almost, it's all, you know, because in the books, especially, they put a lot of, a lot of emphasis on her not, on her leaving Arya behind, mm-hmm. and that story was just kind of rooting her more in Arya's story, where she, where she told, you know... Yeah, I mean, she was using bits of that. I kind of, I wish... I kind of wish that they had had her do more of the Game of Lies, but I mean, obviously they couldn't, like, do more. I mean, doing yeah. more would have been, like, redundant, but... Yeah. But I like that she told the story. Like, she understands, yeah. like, they're, they're not... It, it's a, I think it's a, it's a very interesting religion because they're kind... They're kind in ways that other people can't be. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, they haven't, I don't, Jockin hasn't really said any of the kindly man's uh, iconic lines yet, or I don't know if he will, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, it's interesting. I like, I like that they're kind of slowly building on, on, on what they do there. Mm -hmm. It's not that they haven't gone straight to the meat because. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, it's interesting to see how they develop it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, is I mean, couldn't you also say though that part of um, part of why she got to advance was not simply that she was kind to the little dying girl, but that she was using part of her own history in the lie, and that when you get to the point where you can do that, you're kind of already distanced from your own story when you're willing oh, yeah, to kind of use it that has way. Something to do with it. I think that definitely has something to do with it. I mean, I think he was rewarding her for how she was able to tell the story and weave in, you know, her own history and be able to tell the lie convincingly. Right. Which is why I think he was saying, you know, you're not ready to be no one, but you're ready to be somewhere else. I mean, we kind of know where that's going, but... I don't. (laughs) I know you don't. (laughs) Rachel and I kind of know where that's going, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's going to be great. I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, but... <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I, you know, I've been, I've been waiting for this. But I'm glad that they didn't, because I really <clears throat> thought that they were going to open with the, with uh, what I'm assuming the next time we see Arya is what, mm-hmm. what I assume they were going to open with when we first saw Arya this season. Really? Yeah. You didn't think they were going to show her going to the House of Black and White? No. Huh. I thought that they, they were going to be like, that's boring because she spends a lot of time cleaning and sitting <laughs> and well, thinking. People have been finding that sort of boring. At least for, I was, I've gone back to reading that unspoiled speculation board and <laughs> they definitely are not a fan of Arya cleaning all the time. I don't think, I don't understand. Like when she, whenever she cleans stuff, she finds shit out. Like people yeah. just like walk by her or like do things they, they, she, like she's not there and then she she gets to observe things and see things mm-hmm. so you know it's, it's good when she cleans stuff exactly plus you know that place is dirty <laughs> <laughs> well yeah there's that too so those were the two storylines that we liked or that all of us liked um and i do want to talk about a couple scenes from the sansa storyline that i that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the Sansa telling off Miranda scene, which is one of the only bath scenes in Game of Thrones that I've enjoyed. Um, because they're usually creepy and weird. And, uh, I, I mean, I've seen people say that, you know, this wasn't any different than her, like talking back to Joffrey, but I feel like it was in that she was very direct towards Miranda and she didn't back down from it. Whereas I feel like when she would like talk back to Joffrey, she would like kind of, do it quietly and he wouldn't understand what she was saying and yeah. she would be like oh I didn't really say that okay never mind yeah and I think also you know she was naked in the bath and like she was in a very vulnerable position but she was still like just staring her down yeah so I, I agree with you I think she was really strong and I also thought that she has never looked prettier than she did in some of those shots in that bath scene mm-hmm. like she's just like it was just the way her eyes were in the light I was like damn she is so pretty <laughs> yeah well I would uh I would say that uh, in this case, for a modern audience, that was a really kind of awkward scene to watch because obviously we're not used to having someone attend us in the bath. But Sansa 
is like she's the lady of the manor. She would have grown up that that way. So for her, like having someone there wasn't inherently awkward, and yeah. she she might have actually felt herself to be in a position of power because, well, yes, the girl was like, oh, Ramsey like told me to do this for you. So she, you know, Sansa felt like she couldn't refuse. At, at the same time, she's kind of like, yeah, I'm the lady here, and you're fucking serving me, and you're trying to intimidate me. I don't think so. I got this. Um, I actually. I, I liked I liked her in that scene too. I thought that was it was very well played, and it was it was very much in character because it was a kind of gentle set down, but at the same time she's asserting herself as no, I'm the lady here, and I'm the lady of this house, and don't you fucking dare talk to me. Yeah, because it was very much kind of like okay, yeah, you think that you're trying to intimidate me, but you are nothing, and I am Sansa Stark. Right. But also, I think, I just want to also point out that nobody in the world would believe that she is some kind of servant or any any person of consequence. She doesn't wear a shirt under her dress, you guys. She is clearly a whore. And why Sansa would even talk to her is beyond me. It's like, she's the kind of person well, that if like, came up to her, Sansa would to be like, Shay. Shay was a whore. Sansa was more clothed than this woman. <laughs> Um, or Shay, I don't know what I just said. Shay. But, yeah. Well, you <laughs> like, see, like, Sansa was naked in the tub. She was not yeah. more clothed than Miranda. No, I mean, like, Shay, Shay was wearing more clothing than Miranda. Well, she was wearing that and, easy like, access Mar- whore dress. No, like, so Miranda's sitting there outside at the wedding with her fucking tits out and, like, little, <laughs> oh, no, come on. She's a hoe. <laughs> she has been conscripted. She is a conscripted hoe. And I feel for her. But she's a whore. And Sansa would not give her the time of day. All right. Well, speaking of the wedding, um, I did like that they kept it in the Godswood, and you know, her wedding dress was gorgeous. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Shout out to the hoop skirt. Yes, as a as, as you pointed out in our pre cast discussion, that was very fashion forward because I I'm with you. I don't think we've seen another hoop skirt uh, this entire series. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that was, that was a leap forward, a good. At, at minimum 60 years from anything we've seen and possibly like 260. Oh, I know, right? I was like, finally, they've heard me bitching. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get some sort of advancement via fashion. I feel like it's ironic that it happens in the North. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Sansa, Sansa was always a very like interested in fashion sort of girl. So if anybody's going to do it, and she's like, fuck all that Southern bullshit what's going on up here that uh <laughs> that can well, start some did trends she, did she sew that dress in like you know an afternoon right did sansa make that beautiful dress for her horrible wedding <laughs> i hope so to give her some solace <laughs> no you guys you guys sansa made that dress like five years ago that was her dream <laughs> wedding when she was when she was a girl because you know how like little girls supposedly all plan their perfect wedding and right. she's like and it'll be under the god's wood and my father will give me away and he'll be young and handsome and it'll be wonderful and her you know but instead ex- she got reek <laughs> right well uh, but he was but, clean, at least. I'm not talking about the reality. I'm talking about the fantasy I that know. she had, like, you know, back when she was a stupid, naive little girl. And uh, <laughs> that's what they gave her, was her little, you know, beautiful Godswood wedding fantasy, including the ball gown. That's all. <laughs> well, it was a very, very pretty dress. It's just the rest well, of it wasn't according so. to plan. So next we're going to move into Nerd Rage for the other three storylines from this episode. Um, first, we're going to talk about Dorne. 
Um, basically, for me, I just feel like the Sand Snakes are lame. But Elena, <laughs> do you want to take this, start us off with this? Um, well, I'm going to tie it back to uh, the Mad Max recommendation. Um, okay. Ooh, nice. Because okay, so Mad Max, you have uh, the female character of Imperator Furiosa. She's a fucking badass. She holds her own, and you know she does what needs to be done. She she's an accomplished female warrior and so you kind of expect like the sand snakes are all sitting around talking about like their weapon their prowess with weapons and how they've been training since they were little girls and they're going to get revenge and this and that you kind of expect them to be a bunch of badasses right yeah so then that fight happens and they fight like (laughs) fucking girls and i'm like this fight was abysmal this is pathetic like this is the most bullshit misogynistic like piece of shit like i don't even blame braun for being like you don't fight bad for a little girl because they did oh my fucking god like i'm like i don't i'm not one to talk to call out like misogyny on a show like this i understand like the setting and all that but if you're gonna set up some women who are kind of going against the traditional female grain and they're supposedly like badasses like please make them badasses yeah and we know that they know how to do it they've they've shown female fighters before that were very competent cool fighters okay case in point brienne of tarth she's fucking amazing she's the best fighter like pod has ever seen and it's not like he hasn't seen it's not like he's you know from some backwater where he's never been anywhere he's been to king's landing he's been to a king's tournament he's seen good knights you know so like the free the Brienne and the Hound fight was one of the best fight scenes they've done. Exactly. On show. I mean, there's ample there's ample precedent in the show for some like badass female assassin and know, shit. And we know that they can do spear fighting because Oberyn's stuff was good. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So, there is no I, excuse I honestly, for this. None. I think that the, I think that two things happened. I think one, I think that entire scene was edited poorly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we all agree. Like, this was, I think, who was it? Jess basically pointed out in our planning doc that she hasn't seen anything this bad. Or no, Megan did. That she hasn't seen anything this bad since the fight at the Dreadfort. Which, which... by the way, was also (laughs) Cogman's episode and episode six last year. So basically, Cogman hates women fighters. I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, he's not doing the actual, like, I I assume Cogman's not He's not doing the fight choreography and he's not directing it. But, but like... But this is barely choreography. Like, I mean, like, at at the Dreadfort, it was basically Yara, not Asha, throwing her shit on the floor and running away. Like, that was the fight. (laughs) And then this one... And so here's my theory on why it it was edited poorly. I think that they didn't have any footage to work with. <laughs> and I think that's because no, and I know that Keisha Castle Hughes like was like really into it and watching Pedro's training yeah. tapes and like really trying to emulate him and I saw it. I totally yeah. saw her emulating him. I don't think they had enough time. I don't think they had enough time either. I know that I was reading that like they didn't have as much time to shoot in that location. Yeah. And so like fine. But it was just, whatever it just reason, looked really clumsy and awkward and not One take. One take. Good. That's all they had was one take. One yeah, and a, shitty take. And, <laughs> and, appara- and apparently none of, like, they had no budget for a trainer to uh, to be training them, like, pre-production either. I, I don't, they were training them. I just, I mean, well, I also think it was, the whole thing was weird anyway. Nymeria was terrible. She yeah, was well, so bad. Yeah. <laughs> She was oh just standing God. there. It was like they didn't know what to do with, like, having three of them versus two. And so she was just standing there every once in a while, like, throwing the whip out. And it was just weird. But, I mean, oh, so for me, I think... They thought it was a Devo video, a Devo reunion. 
But like, there's there's an inherent problem in the fact that this was taking place in the middle of the fucking day. Like, it was weird. Um, yeah, like, let's all go. I was like, wow, everyone's just like converging at the same time, and they're all running through this little sand track towards Marcella. It's just, it, it's just so weird. It was so weird and awkward. Yeah, in the first place, like, really terrible, just sort of uh, storyboarding, and that, oh, this, there's this giant coincidence that all this is happening at the same time, but also, like, worst kidnappers ever, all of you deserve to fail. Like, yeah, totally. No, I no. feel like it would have made more sense if, like, they were laying in wait and then, like, saw Jamie and Brienne come, or Jamie and Braun, sorry, Jamie and Brienne, I'm, I'm Lauren now, um, <laughs> Jamie and Braun coming and, like, then they did something? At, so, yes, or exactly. Like, or, yes. like... Or, like, they took... One of them got to Marcella first and tried to take her, and then they tried to stop them. But it was weird that it was just, like, they're all just in the water garden. It was, like, it was like watching like... a fucking Power Ranger fight. <laughs> you know how, like, was, the bad guys, bad. like, they hit, they see each other, but then, like, when they see each other, they always stop, and then they kind of do that, like, weird, like, ninja shake with their heads. <laughs> like, all right, guys, we're ready, we're here, and they're trying to, like, emote through their helmets. Yes. It, it, that, it was that's exactly, exactly what it was. It was exactly like I mean, the Are you bad ready fight rumble? choreography. We're, ready to rumble. we're gonna rumble. Okay, let's rumble. <laughs> bad bad <laughs> fight choreography aside, I mean the entire Dorn storyline has been a joke oh, God, this it's season, so bad. and I mean they've severely underutilized like the characters of Doran Martell and Arya Hota, and I just I mean the Sansings just come off as like these low budget you know wannabe carbon copies of Oberyn. And yeah. I still hate what they're doing with Hilaria. It's weird. She's just like a fourth sand snake and she's a fourth, not and she's in a like good way. She's like this crazy lady in a basement. <laughs> just like waiting. It's fucking weird. But what like, is she doing? I, I don't know. But like the whole thing just is the whole Doran storyline is severely underdeveloped. I mean, I don't think they know what they're doing with it. I feel like they really wanted to include Dorn, but they were like, well, how do we include Dorn? I think they really wanted to include them because they were trying to do a little bit of fan service. But at this point, I yeah. wish that they had cut Dorn completely. I know. Well, I'd I mean, rather no, they... not see any Dorn than see this kind of this. sad, you know, lackluster kind of it's good enough attempt. I, it's I, like I, they wanted to they wanted to do fan service. They wanted to capitalize on Pedro's you know popularity. Yeah, and I just think that they kind of failed. And I was talking to to. Sue and Kenny from Watchers on the Wall on Twitter today. And yes, I was shut down immediately by Sue when I said I didn't like the Sand Snakes. Well, stuff, so. well, she was complaining about that again today, and I was or, or later, and I was like, and this this is getting into book stuff, but like they're not doing it, so I don't think it's like a huge deal. But um, I mean, I was I I said to her, I was like, I think for me, it comes down to the fact that I think the Ariane storyline was more interesting than the Sand Snakes in the first place. Well, and the, the fact that they worked for her, they were just they were her henchmen. Well, they were, but you know, the the thing I feel like, I feel like the crowning Marcella plotline is more interesting than killing her. For one thing, yeah, it shows it shows the Dornish culture more than just let's kill a little girl, which is exactly what Oberyn said they didn't do in Dorn, and what his brother right. reiterated that they exactly. didn't do. So yeah. It's just, it comes off as very weird. And I think, I get that they didn't want to introduce Ariane because they didn't want to introduce, you know, yet another character. Although I think they could have just had Ariane and left out the Sand Snakes entirely. Yeah. Um, just give her, her Ariane and Darkstar. That's all you need. Exactly. <laughs> but like, 
But I mean, I think if they wanted to include the Sand Snakes for whatever reason, they could have, like, given the Ariane kind of stuff to Ilaria in saying, like, she wants to crown Marcella, and then maybe Tyene agrees with her, and the other two don't, and they have conflict, and that conflict allows for character development and allows for them not all to be carbon copies of each other. I also think that it would be really interesting when that storyline hits Cersei, because then you <laughs> yeah. have Cersei conflicted. She wants her daughter exactly. back, but her daughter is now a fucking queen. Or at least they're trying to make or her they're queen. trying to make her a queen. And that's interesting, because yeah. that's everything that Cersei would want Exactly. I and, just think, and also really everything she would be afraid of, because it's basically like saying you have to choose between your two children, and mm-hmm. right. you know, you yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. I just think they really missed the mark on this storyline, and I think it's unfortunate because people have been looking forward to Dorne, and this is not what they wanted. Yeah, here's what they did: they they took a, they took the whole line about the Dornish. Dornish are crazy. All they want to do is fight and fuck. Like they took that a little bit too literally, and they like took all of their political savvy and um, I don't know, sort of like any kind of depth to their characters out. And like, okay, I I guess I can see it. They are fucking crazy because their plan makes no sense. It's no, makes no sense. <laughs> it's also like like in the books at least when people say the Dornish are crazy and they all they want to do is fight and fuck. That's like. A very clearly prejudiced, racist, (laughs) stereotypical statement that shitty people or ignorant people say. But it seems as if D&D was like, oh, here's our guide. This this is the part that we'll use. I mean, as... I, in Sue's comments on Twitter, she was saying, when I said that I missed Ariane and, and that storyline, she said, you know, that Ariane was kind of like the heart of that storyline. And I agree that the Dornish stuff does lack heart. You know, it lacks mm-hmm. any kind of, you know, so- emotion that you can grab onto because you're just like, all these people are like cardboard cutouts. Even Doran, like, they're not doing anything with him. They're not, I mean, have him have a conversation with his fucking son. Like, anything to show, anything, like, some... Yeah. Like familial development, you just have him sitting in his fucking chair. He yeah, doesn't have Dr. blood Bashir, oranges. He's just he's just in his fucking chair. He doesn't get to watch little naked kids. He's not eating his blood oranges. <laughs> you don't have the, like the relationship even between um, Ario and Doran, and that's the other thing I miss. Like the relationship between um, Ariane and Ario Hota. Yeah, like you know he, she was his little princess, and like there's none of that, and it just feels like a lot of the. The heart, as it is, was just stripped out of the Dorne storyline. I think it's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it sucks because there's other things that are happened in this episode that sort of took my Sauron eye away from this storyline. But yeah, you're completely right. I, I got back into it when I like got past some of the Sansa <laughs> stuff. I was like, no, I have to go back and like look at this because this was terrible. But uh, I did like Phil's comment on Twitter about how we're getting we're getting this when we could have had awesome Vikings, and I was like, Rachel would appreciate that. Yeah, right. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Definitely um, agree. Not that considering how they're handling Dorne. Oh, that would kind been... of glad that they're not doing. <laughs> considering how they're handling handling Sansa, I'm also kind of glad that we don't have that oh extra my excuse God. for them. Could I'm you just, just imagine saying. what the Carl the Maids oh, scene God. would be? Could Carl you, the Maid could you, would be terrible. Um, Victorian's dusky woman would be terrible. Like every everything, I'm would be terrible. Glad. Don't yeah, touch the great joys. They're all they all died in a wave. There was tsunami. <laughs> it's fine. And then there was no one to give them CPR, and so they're yeah, just gone. They all died. They're fine. They all died. 
<laughs> so that's our that's our door and hate and our <laughs> and our happiness that the Greyjoys are not included because it'd probably be terrible. Darkstar um, lives. Yeah, I like that people complain about the stand stakes being cheesy, but they're like, Darkstar would be so much better. I'm like, Darkstar is the cheesiest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, just imagine someone coming on and saying, I am Darkstar, I am of the night. Like, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> it'd be amazing, but it'd be ridiculous. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to, to King's Landing and uh, and Loras and Marjorie. So I would like actually to get Elena's point of view first. Yes. We are coming at it from a completely different point and we know where this is all going. Elena, how do you feel about <laughs> how this how do you feel about Loris? In the in the first place in the first place, I'm fucking outraged. The, awesome. The the queen does not have to uh, the queen doesn't have to appear at inquest. Uh, uh, I'm Thank a big you. fan. Thank I'm you. a bi- I'm a big fan of Marjorie and uh, Tommen. He's a very sweet boy. He's being railroaded by the women in his life. He has no fucking <laughs> idea. Um, it's kind of charming, but at the same time, like, dude, grow a pair. You tell the fucking uh, acolytes of the High Sparrow, I'm the motherfucking king, bitch. Like, I don't care if he is at his prayers. The gods appointed me the king so he can talk to me and get back to them. Um, yeah, use the and religion then, against them, Tommen. And then you like tell. You know, and whatever. Like you're the fucking king. If it's your brother-in-law, you say release him from prison. And if you don't, it's your head on the fucking spike. And you know the end. Like Loras. But is he's afraid from prison. of. He's afraid of Lancel. <laughs> but Tommen is kind of Tommen is Tommen is is the woman here. He's afraid of offending everybody, anybody. And so instead, you have like. You know the the lady is doing the uh, the dance around him, and well, I, I, uh, I think poor Tommen. I think what he's suffering from is that Tommen in the books is eight, yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, we're basically trying to shoehorn a seventeen year old into an eight year old's role. Yep, and right. So yeah, I agree. he looks he looks particularly inept. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, if, if he were actually eight, it would be a lot more forgivable. Um, yes, my uh, my kind of. My feelings watching the episode are, in the first place, thank God Marjorie sent for uh, for Grandma um, oh. Grandma Tyrell, because she's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad and, she's back. And apparently, like, Cersei has no idea who actually murdered um, uh, Joffrey. Joffrey. So, you know, I kind of feel like Cersei needs to, you know, pull her shit back a little bit, or she's going to get fucked up, because Elena <laughs> don't fuck around. And the other thing is this. Never ever ever give the religious nut jobs an army and free reign because they will always expand their power and come back and fuck you when you know because cersei fucking knows who the father of her children is like how can you (laughs) how can you for a second think it's okay or advisable or intelligent or in any other way like savvy to align yourself with a fanatical religious sect that clearly goes after sinners "Quote unquote sinners and you queen know, sinners even and, and they especially want to bring down the highborn sinners that they can get their hands on. What the yep. fuck is she thinking? Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I'm glad that you have seen all of these things. You're very yes. wise. So <laughs> she's I, I, not been reading her uh, World of Ice and Fire to learn about the Faith Militant. That's all yeah. I so say. I don't know. I I just I, I hate to say it, but I hope she gets fucked because you know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> Cersei is one of those characters I go back and forth. Like, every time I start to think, like, gosh, I understand where she's coming from. And, you know, I can get past all the bullshit she's done in the past. And I stop hating her just a little bit. She does something like this. And I'm like, I hate you even more. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's funny for me because I love Cersei, but that's because I I love I just love that she does she just gives zero shits, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's she thinks she's Olena, but she's not. Like she doesn't <laughs> right. she hasn't really figured out how to how to really actually wield power. She just knows how to yell about wielding power. Right. But I, I love her because she just gives zero shits. And I do love the, this is a kind of a favorite one liner shout out, but I did love Elena being like, Stop scribbling, you're not writing anything. <laughs> And I love, did you see that thing on Tumblr where it shows, like, what she was supposedly writing? And no. someone put the, Cersei loves Jamie forever. Cersei loves Jamie forever. I was dying. I, I was would, like, this is great. I would, I'd like to see a gif of her, of Elena saying that, and then when it switches, it's just George. Just sitting there. <laughs> yes. Every, everybody knows you're not writing anything, okay? Stop, stop scribbling. <laughs> Stop, stop tapping away at your MS-DOS computer. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, I mean, the Loras thing has been like my, my issue for, for many seasons now. I mean, yes, we, we know that we could have, we tell, they telegraphed it a long time ago. We just kind of hoped that they would I mean, their course. I just, and I said it before, I was like, this is going to be about Loras. It's not going to be about Marjorie. <laughs> And I it's was so right. It's so weird that they shoehorn Marjorie in at the end. I mean, if this is the way that they did I, that, and I, I just I feel I like the like whole Loras is the Loras is gay thing is just so topical that it seems so forced. It seems really forced, and I mean they basically they use that to trap her, and I think it's really obnoxious. Okay, can I can I actually ask a uh, a book question here? Because yes. here's the thing. I actually didn't have any of these problems with this. I don't necessarily see the the Loris's gay thing as topical. Um, I mean, eh, okay, I can see an argument for it, but it, in the context of the show, it doesn't read that way to me. Um, and then using it to trap her just sort of seems more like Cersei's sort of bull in a china shop, like, yeah, I'm going to fuck this bitch anyway. I can. I hate her. You know, kind of maneuvering. <laughs> um, so if that was like the one lie she could catch Marjorie in, she's going to like go with it. Um, so... I, I as as somebody who hasn't read the books, who doesn't know, because I, I know Rachel had had told me at one point um, that Marjorie ends up in prison, and that's like the last place we've seen her at the end of the last book. Okay, um, I didn't know why I didn't have a context for it, so it didn't it, when it happened. I was like, okay, that's how it happened. Cool. I didn't know. I, I spoil people. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, th- this, th- this was in the context of a, of a cosplay thing too, like yeah. skits. So um, that that's why it came up. So I'm curious what actually happened in the book that that makes this upsetting for you guys as book readers. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, go ahead. So in the books, it's, I mean, she's still trying to screw over Marjorie, but she's, the accusations she's making against Marjorie are that she's, like, sleeping around. Okay. And it's it's all bullshit, but, like, it has nothing to do with Loris. Loris is on the Kingsguard. Loris is not involved. And she it does, has, she it, does, she does consider the possibility of, Loris and Marjorie having an incestual relationship too, which is actually really interesting and I wish that they had gone with that because the irony of that coming back to her would be interesting. Right. And yeah. I think it would I think it would make more sense. And since the stuff that she says in the books about Marjorie anyway is all like lies and manipulation and bullshit anyway, they could have done almost anything and I just I'm frustrated with the continuation of the bad characterization for Loris. Just to, like, set up this is what bothers me. Okay. I mean, and at this point, also, book Cersei is way more unhinged than she is in the show right <laughs> yeah. now. Like, she's insane. She thinks Tyrion is in the walls. 
She, I love that. <laughs> she thinks he's in the walls. She, she thinks burns everyone. She the tower of the hand down with wildfire. She burns <laughs> it down with wildfire because her father died in there. Um, she's arming, you know, she's, she's, she's encouraging. She doesn't arm the faith militant, but she encourages, uh, the king to allow them to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she's, uh, she's sleeping with everyone. I mean, yeah. ev- moon boy, everyone. And <laughs> well, we don't know if she's sleeping with moon boy. <laughs> she's sleeping with the kettle block. We know that for sure. She's, and, and then she basically is hilariously accusing, um, Marjorie of cheating on Tommen because Tommen's eight and he can't have sex <laughs> with her. So, and, and it's just it's just weird, and I, it's just like I wish she was either crazier or it was done in it. I mean, I understand they they wanted to involve the entire Tyrell family at this point. Yeah, it just feels. I mean, and I've been complaining about Loris's characterization forever. But yeah, like, he's such King's a stereotype. Cards, exactly, and I hated that stupid fucking birthmark thing because <laughs> like. Chekhov's birthmark, like really, really, that's what we're gonna get him on. Come on, it's shaped like Dorn. I know that just pissed me <laughs> off even more. I was like, "Fuck you for bringing in Dorn into this! Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like, well, it's just dumb." It's well, also like the- you know, like oh, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was gonna say, like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's, there's like basically two places it would make sense for only your lover to see and that's if it's like on the inside of your ass crack or like on your penis when it's fully erect i can't think of the third place there might be one but otherwise like this is this is a society that men have zero like self-awareness of like shame or modesty or body image like they like there's half clothed unclothed men like all the all the time like everywhere like why yeah and would if it he be... was a squire, he would be dressing him. Exactly. It, yeah, so it kind of made zero sense, like, that he, like, you don't, you have, you, your, your legs are naked when you're putting on your leggings, like, yeah. the end. Yeah, like, it's I think just... they're just banking on the fact that people don't know what squires do, even though we, it's like, well, it's like, well, Pod's not undressing Brienne. It's like, well, he probably is. He's probably like, can I wash your underwear, lady? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's his fucking job. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I just, the whole thing just frustrates me. I mean, it's it's going to go the same, in the yeah, same direction as the books. Which is why it's upsetting. It's like, why did you do this? We just ended up in the same place. Like, yeah, I just, I don't see why they had to go that way. But it's, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, so like in the books, uh, Loris is on the Kingsguard. I mean, it was breaking my heart a little bit watching him, you know, have to be like, I never slept with Renly. Oh, I don't I love Renly. I was like, if this were the book version of you, this would be so upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> or, uh, yeah. I, 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 oh, yeah. He's just so much more than just like, you know, a little, uh, a stereotypical gay boy who I, I just, it's upsetting. I hate the whole characterization of Loris in the show. And I really love him. So it's just sad. I know. It's sad. Anyway. Unfortunate. Do you want to just... Yeah, we should get to the <laughs> we're in for a bit of rape, Sansa. I know that you, Rachel, are very angry and that Elena kind of has the opposite point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'll sort of state my neutral perspective and that le- then let you guys talk. So for me, I do try and come at these things from a story perspective and trying to figure out what they could do differently. 
And it, it bugs me a lot of the time when people are saying, well, they didn't have to do that, and then they give no alternative. So I, I do like to think about it and s- try and figure out what I would do differently and to make it better. I feel like the problems with the storyline started a long time ago. I feel like the the continue, continued added, you know, rape, sexual violence, attempted rape, threatened rape, torture porn with Theon and Ramsay that has happened for the past four and a half seasons is making this so much worse than, you know, not that it is, but like it's giving people more fatigue. And if if you only had, like, think about it. If you took out all of the, like, stuff that's not in the books that they added in, if you only had, like, the rape of Danny and, like, the threatened rape of Brienne in the show and you didn't have, like, the attempted rape of Sansa when the Hound saved her, you didn't have all of the, like, long torture porn scenes with Theon or when he was sexually assaulted, you didn't have the, you know threatened rape of Mira, the threatened rape of Arya, you didn't have the background rape during that awful Carl Tanner scene. I mean, if you didn't have any of that, I don't feel like this would be as, like, fatigue-inducing in terms of the sexual violence. And then, so I feel like they're, they're screwed, like, from the start. But, I mean... And, and people were saying that, that they've been wanting to do this storyline since season two, and people were, like, disturbed by that. But, I mean, they read A Dance with Dragons. We all like those those Theon chapters, you know? I mean, that's definitely one of my favorite parts of dance. So I understand why they wanted to do that storyline and why it became a priority. But then they started streamlining the story, and Sansa got forced into it. And I think, I think, I mean, I was intrigued by the idea of Sansa being there. And them combining those storylines. And I think it's interesting. And... But I think it also sets up this problem. If you have, like... You can do Sansa's storyline without the rape. Certainly. I think it's unnecessary for her storyline. But when you add in Theon and you want that storyline from the books, you have to, A, get Sansa to trust him. And you have to, B, get Theon to break away from Ramsay. And I think... I understand your position, Rachel, in that you don't think that Theon needs any extra motivation to break away from Ramsay, or that Sansa can work with Theon without trusting him, but I kind of feel like that just puts Theon in, like, the same... He's she's, he's just having a new person use and manipulate him instead of Ramsay, and I feel like, depending on where they go with it, I'm not that bothered by the scene in terms of... That the rape scene and having Theon watch it and you see his reaction to it, I feel like that's a moment that's going to bond them together and give them a way a starting point in their, you know, relationship to work together going forward and it breaks Theon out of his, you know, Reek persona a little bit. So I understand how they got there and I understand why they went in that direction. I came up with a like sort of convoluted way that they could have done it without that and that I mean, they could have, my theory was that they could have had Sansa plotting and, like, delayed the wedding and the consummation, and they could have had her planning to escape that night. And my theory for Theon was that he would maybe be listening to Ramsay talk about what he was going to do to Sansa, and that was going to break him out of the Reek persona, and then he would have to, like, go to Sansa and, like, grovel to her and tell her that he didn't kill Bran and Rickon. But it's a lot of talking. And I just don't know that it's as impactful and, like, succinct as that scene. So, 
that's kind of my position on it. So, who wants to go first? Well, I don't want to... Tell me what you think. You you don't read the books. And I am coming at... I, there, I'll explain myself, but there is absolutely no way for me to look at this scene without thinking of the books because of the choices that were made in, in blocking out the scene and in, in writing it. So you okay. tell me how this works for you as a person who has not read the books. Okay. Um, I actually... Uh, I mean, I, I can't say that, like, I liked the scene in a in the sense that like i'm trying to say oh it was great the sansa got raped or anything like that let's make that clear um but um i i actually felt like um ramsey's comment you saw her as a little girl now watch her become a woman i feel like that line was kind of the writer's way of saying this is the point of the scene this is sansa realizing that she cannot depend on anybody that she has to change her circumstances she cannot wait for someone else to change them for her that basically this is her innocence dying and that she is realizing both um you know everything that she has survived everything that she can survive and um just the kind of uh i don't know power that she can have if she chooses to change her own circumstances um so i kind of feel like that was why he said that um, that's the writer's way of saying, hey guys, like, yes, it's another rape scene, but here's the point of it. Um, the fact that they didn't show it, I think is important. Um, I think it made it much more impactful because, I mean, you could make an argument, yes, oh, well that puts it on, you know, you're, you're watching Theon's reaction, so mm -hmm. it puts the focus on him. I actually think that showing respect for Sansa as a character that you're not, like, yes, you see her sort of like leaning forward in submission and then crying, but you don't, you don't see her violation. You don't, it, 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 that rape, this way, rape, unlike any of the other rapes we've seen in the whole show, this one was not for titillation. This was about character advancement and the way they chose to film it, the way they chose the moments and the, the pieces to focus on, I think showed that. Um, and so that's why like, as even in the context of, of the show, having a lot of, um, you know, disrespect toward women in this way and lots of like threatened rapes and attempted rapes and accomplished rapes and whatever this one it felt a little bit different. It felt like this one actually it sounds horrible. Like it, I'm trying to discount any of the others, but this <laughs> one had weight. Like it, it, it was, it was done in a way that wasn't, it was not sexual. Like this really was like, this is about some I like, agree. power over someone's life. And this is about Sansa's sort of, um, it is about the end of her innocence and basically her, you know, she's going to become a woman and she's going to finally stop waiting for, anyone to rescue her and as, as to why she kind of let it happen i know we were talking a little bit about this in, in the document um i'm not sure who it was that summed it up but i think but basically the argument and this is what i felt was what else was she going to do like just i mean she's had maybe a few hints that ramsey's a really terrible person but he's only treated her with respect person to person and i think i think one thing the show has done very well is show that they're is sometimes a difference between the way men treat women of a lower class and the way they treat their wives. So she might have had the expectation that she would be treated as Sansa Stark, you know, the Lady of Winterfell, even by this really horrible person. <laughs> so she didn't know until he came into the what you know into their bridal chamber and treated her in the way that he did that he was going to do it. And so simply having to submit to sex with a man that you don't like, I mean, that's kind of the duty she was raised for. That in and of itself isn't going to be a deal breaker for her to actually have to perform also to kind of go along with the point um she's kind of been threatened with this for a long time 
you know, certainly from, you know, the riot that, that we saw in King's Landing to Joffrey, you know, to uh, the Hound, to various other characters have basically threatened her with this. And so in a way, like, she kind of, she probably feels like this is the worst thing that could happen to me. And then, okay, it happens. Well, when, when you finally, like, have the worst thing happen, you kind of, like, come out on the other side and you're like, I survived that. Fuck it. I have absolutely nothing to lose at this point. So that's kind of the point where you can really begin to self-actualize. And, I mean, I don't know where she's going as a character. I don't know where the storyline is going. I mean, I, I do feel like, um, like, the, from the second... From the second that Theon saw her and started, like, you could tell he was having an emotional reaction to her. So I was like, is she going to be the catalyst that, like, you know, she's, like, maybe something he can fight for, something he can rally behind, something that he can see as a way to redeem himself, um, you know, kind of used to break away from this thing that he has been made. Um, so I really don't, what I don't want to see and, and I probably will, you know, at the end of the season, if if we look back and this is where they've gone with it, I don't want to see Sansa staying passive. I don't want it to be like she just waits for Theon to rescue her or puts a light in the tower and waits for, you know, whoever it is out there to rescue her. Like, I want to see her scheming. I want to see her actively, like, saying, I'm going to bring some motherfuckers down because I am Sansa Stark and this is my home and I will not be frightened anymore, ever, you know? I... I think that's kind of my reaction too. like, I'm kind of, and we've been burned on this before, you know, playing the wait and see game, but if, if they go forward and she takes an active role in plotting and trying to escape and she's not just passively waiting for Brienne or Theon to come in and save her, I'm, I'm much more okay with it. Now, if she does, you know, become this passive character again, then I'm not okay with it. And I don't feel like currently with what I with where I feel like they're gonna go with it, I don't feel like this knocks her back to like, you know, her season two characterization, which I've seen a lot of people saying. Like I don't agree with that. I don't think this ruins her development. I didn't feel like it knocked her back at all. Uh I mean, really, what was she supposed to do in that situation? Like there was a there's a possibility that it was going to be like bad, but not that bad. She didn't know, you know, in the first place. And in the second, you don't know who's out there waiting. You you're kind of like this is the worst possible time to stage an intervention. Uh, you kind of wait for the opportune moment. And if nothing else, she's shown that she's a survivor and that she's you know going to do what she has to do to survive and to find that moment. Um, so I didn't have a problem with her. I mean, even if she had an inkling that it was going to be awful, kind of choosing to like let it happen because she was waiting, like kind of biding her time. I mean, I was joking on Twitter last night that you know, I want when she was undoing her sleeves, I wanted to her to, you know, pull out a knife and like stab Ramsey in the throat. But I mean, right. I don't think that would have worked. I mean, obviously, if she did that, I mean, she wasn't making it out of there alive. So I don't I don't know, really, at that point in time, because the wedding happened then, I don't know that she was gonna have a contingency plan to get out of it. So I'm not sure what she was supposed to do. Right. No, I mean, yes, the writers could make a different decision. They could postpone the wedding. They didn't have to do this. But I don't think it's as horrible to her characterization as other people do. And I, this gets into the book stuff. And I know Rachel will get to the book stuff too. But, like, Jane had to trust Theon. She had no choice. She had no one else. Whereas Sansa doesn't have to trust Theon. So, like, they, they need something to bring them together. I don't know. Rachel, do you want to talk about your long list of issues? <laughs> so I'm going to I'm going to try to present this in a way that 
will help think of it in in like graphs i guess um okay i do not necessarily in fact i don't disagree with you uh i, I think don't disagree that, with you either so i think kinda... that <laughs> i think that what you guys have articulated is exactly what dnd and and brian cogman wanted us to take from that scene mm-hmm. my problem with that is that i'm not motherfucking sick of being presented with those options uh in storylines so i have I, let me finish so I'm not stopping you okay <laughs> Uh, so you have you have Sansa Stark, you have Jane Poole, who is a character in the novels. Uh, well, she's barely a character, but she is a person in the novels. Uh, you have and you have Theon, uh, and then you have a few other characters that are kind of roaming around. So they've melded these two storylines, and I actually think that it's a good idea because there are so many parallels and intersections between all of these storylines. So uh, the way that I think about it is that Jane Poole is the anti Sansa Stark. She's kind of a shadow character. She's barely characterized. She barely exists. And her entire purpose is to further Theon's storyline. Now, the way that George does this is kind of in a tired, tropey way in which he tortures her uh, sexually, uh, horribly. Uh, and she, and then he uses Theon to torture her. She is used to torture Theon. And basically, Ramsay is a fucking cartoon character. And I have said this in the doc... Ramsey is basically the man, the physical manifestation of Theon's guilt. He's he's the punishment vehicle, right? So he is a fucking cartoon character. And then uh, Jane, who is the anti Sansa Stark, is the stand-in for the Starks, for Winterfell, for those people that Theon betrayed, for all of that guilt to act on. And everything that happens to her is horrific. And it's basically all the same shit that happens to Theon. Uh, and then you have Sansa, who is out, not at Winterfell in the books, somewhere else, but she's kind of living a parallel life, you know. She could easily have been Jane Poole, except that she's Sansa fucking Stark. And I think uh, I draw another parallel between Sansa and Danny. They're very similar. They're both heirs to great houses. They are both well-educated, and they are both in very privileged positions in which they have power, uh, it's limited power, but they do have power if they know how to use it. And they're both traded as property, and they're both threatened with sexual violence, and they're both they're but both to that point, survivors. Um, sorry to interrupt, Not but I, I think this is an important point. Um, yeah. Like, I think part of why Sansa was probably okay going through with a wedding night, even with a Ramsay Bolton, is that she's she understands that she has political value. Like, the, the value that she brings to that marriage, yes, like, literally... It ceases to exist if he maims her, harms her permanently, or kills her. So, in that there is a there is a protection to the privilege yeah, of agree. her being Sansa Stark, and that's like, that can't be like under underemphasized, yes. I guess. Yes, absolutely, and that's the protection that that Jane Poole did not have. Right. Jane Poole's a fucking peasant, and it doesn't matter that she was educated at Winterfell with Sansa. She was still a peasant, and she was educated at at you know the largesse of Catelyn Stark. And she wasn't, nobody cared about Jane and she, maybe she was a friend, but nobody treated her like she was the heir of a great house. Uh, so there's that. Now, I understand that they wanted to put Sansa in Winterfell and they felt that they needed, they made the choice of melding Sansa and Jane into one character. Now, the reason that this doesn't work for me is that Jane is not <laughs> a character. She's just, she's just a plot device 
to to make you feel bad for Theon. She doesn't exist. And I think another very important point is that Theon is fucking Gollum and he is doomed to <laughs> fail. And there's nothing there's nothing for him. Like he he's going to go through this journey and he's going to attempt to redeem himself and he's my personal theory is that he will fail. And I think that there's ample evidence of this so far in the books. So here and, and basically, we've gotten to this point where you're like, oh, okay, well, Sansa's going to get married to Ramsay and she has no choice. Well, you're right. She doesn't have any choice. Like, wh- who's, who's going to help her? There's a couple peasants, uh, and they've all said that she'll help, they'll help her. And, you know, Miranda's warned her about what's coming. So, yeah, she's kind of resigned to it. I still don't think there was any fucking reason to show it. I think the fact that she got married and the fact that, yes, her if, if they chose to consummate the marriage, that's rape. Um it's Game of Thrones, so they're never not going to show us rape if they can show us rape. But I, my main point is that I'm tired of this. I'm tired of rape being a valid plot device. And they're not making a comment on rape. They're just raping Sansa because they can, and it's supposed to shock us, and it's supposed to be the worst thing that could possibly happen to Sansa. And as we know, that is not true because a woman's worth is not in her hymen. And Sansa is prepared for this. She has been bred to have sex with the man that she marries. She was prepared to have sex with Tyrion, but he did. He was a gentleman. Uh, so I'm not necessarily the person that's like, they should not have had, you know, like they, they, the wedding should never have happened at all. Uh, I, I just wish that Sansa, who has survived five seasons, who has survived numerous rape attempts, who has seen horrible shit, who has supposedly learned from Marjorie and Littlefinger and Cersei and her mother and all kinds of people, that bad shit happens to people who have no plan, would have a fucking plan. And she doesn't. Her plan is to exist and survive and hope that Ramsay doesn't kill her. And I don't, that's not good enough for me. And I'm also just, I'm just tired of, of, of being presented with bullshit plot lines and all of this and, and multiple rapes by these people. And I'm just supposed to take it and I'm supposed to pay my HBO bill and I'm supposed to look at media and be like, this is okay for you to give me and please give me more. And maybe it's because to go back to Mad Max, that shit doesn't happen. It doesn't have to happen to make something good. Uh, it's it's very disappointing and it makes me really angry. And I, like I said, I don't think that D&D is just sitting there stroking their cocks and being like, ha ha ha, we raped a 17-year-old, isn't that shocking? But at the end of the day, that is what they did and they couldn't think of anything else to do. And they thought, in fact, they I don't even think they even thought, they even tried to think of anything else to do. This was automatic for them. And it's just... It goes against everything that Game of Thrones is supposed to be because Game of Thrones is supposed to be a critique of the traditional fantasy novel in which shit like rape is used constantly against women to, you know, fridge them and make them uh, a plot device in a male character's storyline. And I'm, I'm just fucking tired of it. So that's where my anger comes from. It, it's more than Game of Thrones, but it's, it's like a chrysalis in the Game of Thrones. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to invalidate anything you said because I think you're right. But, I mean, it's it's an unfortunate situation that we're presented with. Right. And, and I think the, what we're presented with is take it or leave it. And I'm just not taking it. I mean, I, I, I hope that going forward that, and I mean, Cogman said, you know, she'll have to deal with it. And I hope that she deals with it because after the Jamie Cersei thing and the fact that they just ignored it, I'm hoping that this is not the case. I'm hoping that they at least treat it 
And not, I mean, they haven't really specifically said the word rape, which is bullshit because it was, but I just, I hope that they treat it as something awful that happened to her, that it was traumatizing going forward. I was going to say, I don't really understand how you can say that that wasn't a rape scene. Like, oh, ask people on the internet because they will um, tell you it wasn't. <laughs> I've been which, reading I it mean, all day. That, that, just, that just boggles my mind that anybody could not, um, could not interpret it that way. I mean... Um, but I don't know, just as a, as kind of a follow up to Rachel's point, one thing that I guess I still have hope that the show will do is basically kind of show that for the female characters, it literally doesn't have to be the end of anything. Maybe it's either the beginning of like, they're sort of like getting over being worried about it. Like, okay, that happened. Fuck it. Like I, I lived like what's what's the difference? I'm the same as the, you know, on the other side as I was. Yeah. But what about next time? And what about, what about the 30 more rape scenes well, that we're going to have to sit through? I mean, Katie, Katie made a valid point in our long email chain about the fact that they keep making, you know, sexual assault be the worst thing that happens to a female character and that that's supposed to be their rock bottom. And, and, you know, they're supposed to build up from there and that it's yeah. happened with, but that's Danny kind of my point though, is Cersei like, and- yeah, let's make this the worst thing that happens to a female. Like, I'm sorry. It's, like, you're not dead. You're not, like, maimed. You're not incapable of moving beyond it. So, you know, if that actually is the worst thing that any man is willing to do to you, like, there are, in fact, worse things. Right. And, I mean, we should be clear, Ramsey Ramsey does worse to Jane in the novel. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> so much worse. It's so horrific that it's, like, you read it and you're like, someone needs to go and knock on George's door and maybe <laughs> take him away. Because it's that bad. Um, there's dogs. I'm, 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 I'm picturing awful. some uh, some some American Psycho again, book not movie. Um, some American Psycho book level shit here because that yeah, was yeah. the more fucked up book I've ever mm-hmm. read. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely like that. So I just think that I think with the people who are saying that it's regressive for Sansa's character, I don't necessarily know if it's regressive. I think it's just mm-hmm. more of the same. It's really disappointing to see everyone else get to, like, go through all of these arcs. And Sansa's just the same fucking character that she's always been. She's just better at surviving now than she was before. But she's always just been a person that sits and takes it. And I'm not saying that she has to be a fighter. I thought I th- personally think that it would have been completely out of character if she'd pulled a knife or well, something. Well, yeah, I was kind of <laughs> kidding when I said that. Yeah. Um, but, like, she... She's still, I just, she's been through so much that you'd think at this point she'd have a plan. And like, there's so, and, and you know, we've spent the, this whole season with mm-hmm. people warning her about Ramsey and people being like, the North mm-hmm. remembers, you have friends here. That even if it was a failed attempt, that she would attempt to do something to protect herself. I kind of uh, wish that, I mean, and we've talked about the lighting the candle being ridiculous, but. I kind of wish that they had showed her, like, you know, taking a detour and, like, lighting the fucking candle in the window before she went into the Went to the, the godswood or something? Well, yeah. yeah, or before the godswood, before something. Just so that, she, you know, at least she made some attempt. Um, I mean... Uh, so, so I have two more things I want to talk about. One is the Brian Cogman's claim that nobody that Littlefinger would didn't Bullshit. know about Ramsay. I Which think is, that's kind of the weakest thing ever because I do too. I don't like it. Littlefinger knows who shot last in King's Landing, but he doesn't know that Ramsay's a fucking psycho. But like to, even even if he somehow managed to miss the he fact hasn't that he's been, been to the kennels. Like, <laughs> come on. But even if he somehow managed to miss the fact that he's been flaying people from Moat Kalen to the to the Winterfell, I mean like 
You would think that he would find out. Yeah, little, Littlefinger had a plan. Like, he has the ability to find out. <laughs> but what so, is his plan? Here's my most valuable asset. I will leave it with you so exactly. you can torture and kill it, and I, I will never come back. I think that's What's, my issue with the storyline more. This, than this is you else. as book people versus <laughs> me as a TV person. I kind of feel like, um, oh, Littlefinger's master plan here is that he wants Sansa for himself in some weird, creepy, like way, and it. Well, yeah, and Sansa his, lives. his plan exactly. is again. I feel like he's counting. He's he, and this maybe is a miscalculation on his part, but I feel like he's counting on. Um, the fact that she's too politically valuable to actually be, like, killed or permanently damaged. But he's like, let me give her to this, like, absolute psychopath. And so then, like, whatever faults I have... You think that if he was leaving his most valuable asset, he would check. No, I'm, say- I'm saying, exactly. I think he absolutely, like, knows who this guy is. And that's the point. He's like, I'm gonna leave her with this dude. And after, you know, a few weeks or months with him, when I come back... She's going to think I'm the fucking bee's knees because I'm gentle, I'm courteous. She won't have any limbs. Again, I think he expects that she will not actually be physically damaged. She'll simply be made psychologically, like, prepared to, like, see him as her savior. I'm not disagreeing with you, but the fact of the matter is that the writers of the show have said this is not true. So that concerns me because your your Mm. take on it is totally valid you know, in terms of how we read into the show, but the fact that they're right. saying that he doesn't know, I just feel like it's total bullshit. Uh, <laughs> no, like, look, let's be honest here. Littlefinger went and studied in the uh, the House of White and Black. Like, he knows how to lie with the best of them. Like, yeah, yeah. no question. So, um, I, I don't know. I personally can't, like, it didn't even occur to me to think that he was being honest when he said, I don't know much about him. Like, I was like, there's no fucking way he doesn't actually know exactly who this dude is. It's a calculated move on his part. I agree. Well, they're claiming that he knows nothing. So, Which is... And, that's, and that he would never have left Sansa there if he had known. And I'm like, well, he basically I just... I think that's true. We're talking about a guy who plays such a long con game that it's taken him 30 years to get to where he is. But he's just going to leave Sansa with the Boltons. Like, I just don't... Okay. It's just bizarre. It's bizarre. It is very bizarre. So yeah, so now now we have like, what's the fallout going to be? Is it going to be Sansa get, suddenly trusts Theon and Theon's going to try to save her or Sansa's going to try to escape or Sansa continues to be a victim and Brienne tries to save her? Like, so what? The, the, the preview for next week shows her and Theon in the room and she said, which I hope is right afterwards because I don't ever want to see more of that. Um but shows her saying like we still have friends like in like my family still has friends in Winterfell, and so I'm hoping that that means that she's going to, I mean in in the books it's Theon who's you know trying to save Jane, and I'm hoping that this is at least them working together, or you know her spearheading the thing and him you know joining along. But I just don't know what I'm I'm very worried because worried if too. she's taking if she's supposed to be Jane Poole, if suddenly Jane Poole is a is a more important character than Sansa Stark and Sansa is is the new Jane Poole, she's fucked. And <laughs> and I really hope that that's not the case because I I I mean we talked about them, you know, sacrificing Sansa's story for Theon you know, in our email doc, in our email yeah. chain. And I mean, I don't want that to be the case. I think... I mean, that is the definition of fridging, which is what we witnessed. I mean, if they did it in this, 
in this scenario and then they move forward and give her more agency and give her more of an active role than like you know like i mean it's not okay but it's it's better than it I guess could so. be. But I guess so. I mean, I said in the doc, like, is this them turning her into Stoneheart? Is this the desecration of Cat? I mean, it, they could they could go in a decent way with it. I'm concerned that they won't. I just feel like I it just... would be completely out of character that they're going to break Sansa that much that she becomes Stoneheart. Like, I don't know that supposed... she would become Stoneheart, but she's supposed to be like Sansa. Is the is is the like, you know how Jon Snow is, like, the traditional fucking fantasy trope hero? Yeah. Like, Sansa right. Sansa is the girl that the hero is supposed to save. But she's not, like, Sansa's gonna save herself. That's the point. And I like, hope that she does. But I feel like D&D only took, like, it's like, you know how, like, when people read, like, I don't know, A Modest Proposal and they really thought that it was being suggested to them that they should eat children? <laughs> like, I feel like that's how D&D read, read A Song of Ice and Fire. Like, they just read it. And it's like, do you... Okay, but that shit was a metaphor. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, they've certainly, you know, as we've discussed, they've taken out a lot of nuance in this story. And I am... Because we've gotten burned many times before trying to be hopeful. I mean, I'm cautiously hopeful. But I, like, I really, really want them to not fuck this up this time. More than and they I, already I, and have. I, and I would say that's where I'm coming down. Like, I... I feel like again I, I feel like that comment was meant to be like okay this is going to be her low point and from here on she truly comes into her own as a character and I desperately hope that's what they do with her because I, I will say Sansa has gone from being one of the characters who annoyed me the most to being one of the ones that I have the most sympathy for and interest in but at some point she has to stop being a victim of her circumstances yeah, yeah. and she has to start like writing her own story. She can't be Frodo. She just can't <laughs> yeah. be. She can't be Frodo. And, I, and I, I really, I really feel like this was the point. I feel like this was the low point that they were going to bring her to. And this is, you know, kind of, again, it's, it's like her entirely losing her innocence, both physically and metaphorically. And finally she's like, all right, bitch got a girl has nobody but herself so what's a girl gonna do if they can make this work for both theon and sansa you know more power to them i just hope that they can i i'm just i'm just tired of it you guys i just really wish that i just i demand more from my media i have higher standards than this and it's just it's it's basically like I keep going to the same fucking halal cart and they keep poisoning me <laughs> and I just keep going back. And I, I I, feel stupid. I feel like a fucking hypocrite. Like, I should just stop watching. That's kind of how I feel now. But I have I will say this to do. So. In, a, in, in terms of Rape Watch, is this the first one we've seen all season? Because I, I don't specifically remember any others. I think it is. So, I mean, maybe they've kind of laid off on it. Like, they've kind of set the set the standard early. Like, yeah, this happens all the time, you know, but now so it's, we're going to save it for important moments, which doesn't necessarily excuse it, but they've at least, like, stopped using it gratuitously. And it's kind of like they're trying to use it for a point now. I mean, I would love to give them that credit. I don't think that's... <laughs> I mean, I, love, I just love the interview with Brian Cogman where they were like, so how come you guys didn't, you know, have Theon participate? And he was like <laughs> horrified. And I'm like, well, 
No, like, but really, why not? I mean, I'm sure it was on the table. I'm sure when they sat in the writer's room, it was like, okay, we're going to rape Sansa. And that was never off the table. But having Theon participate, <laughs> that was what was fucked up. And I mean, like, that pisses me off. I would... I would like to know if they had any alternatives. I mean, my no, alternative... they did not. My alternative, I think, would work. I don't know it's, if it's the best use of screen time. I don't know if it's as impactful, but I think... I mean, I, a scene where Theon goes to Sansa and has to explain that Bran and Rickon aren't dead and, like, you know, I'm Aha! still a horrible oh, person. Oh, maybe then, maybe then she would trust him without having to get raped. Well, that's what I said. I said that was my yeah. alternative solution. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying that what they did is the be all end all of scenes. I'm just saying I think in the context of what they forced themselves into in terms of the two storylines merging, I think I think that it works in terms of telling the story. I'm not saying it's the best way to tell the story. I'm saying I, I would actually. I just want like as as an unsullied mostly unsullied viewer elena like the scene works for you in that it, at least you understand it it's not like some of the other right. shit that they've done where they've like rewritten the storyline <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense see dorn but right. and, and, and I, I would also say this um maybe part of the problem is that until now sansa has ultimately been mm. protected from all of it like yes it's been threatened but it's never actually happened to her and so you could actually make an argument that there maybe is an important like character development point that something like actually happens to her i mean yes she's had like tons of emotional traumas but this is like the first time that physically she's been violated and i don't know maybe like maybe that's the point they were trying to make and so in a way like she's been beaten she's been I, i i just i'm just Threatening a little girl for five years that they're going to rape her. And then as soon as she's legal, raping her on camera is just fucking sick. It's sick. <laughs> I, I'm just never, go- I'm never going to come around, you guys. It's never. We're not asking no, you to. I mean, I'm, a... I'm not disagreeing with any of the points that you're saying. I'm just, I mean, I've said what I said. So, yeah, I know. We've all said what we've said. And so, I mean. Let's let's sort of end that discussion. <laughs> uh, we've we've talked a lot about it. This is going to be a really long pe- episode. Um, it's okay. It's a really important. It is. It is. Um, we can we can discuss uh, Bronn and the poison dagger if we'd like. Bronn's so gonna die, most likely. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Which I think is, makes yeah. it even weirder than that they did the whole like lawless thing for two seconds because I just don't understand why they bothered. I will, I just feel bad because like in terms of like kind of like weird tertiary characters that they've gone off the rails with in the show versus the book, Braun is one of their better attempts. It's real, yeah, totally. And now they're <laughs> but, gonna you like know, kill him go off ahead and side. kill him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fucking poison blade. Um, maybe maybe he can be the new Quentin. I said I well I said that they should uh, if he goes to the wall to sing Last of the Giants that like Melisandre could pull a Makoro and like heal up an arm. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> could work, right? No, you know if there's if they open season six with a freaking Greyjoy boat going by, I'm gonna have to qu- get rid of my television. Like it's just not gonna work. <laughs> it's gonna be like, and now <laughs> let's fuck these guys. <laughs> oh god, but really, you should be happy that they're not doing the Greyjoys because it would I'm be so, so bad. I'm so it would be happy. so terrible. Um. <laughs> So let's let's get into some upcoming events because I think we've talked enough about adaptation. Mm-hmm. 
Vaguely and not vaguely. Um, hard home is coming. Hard home is coming. Uh, Thorne was making some scary comments to Sam that were making me very nervous for things that Elena is not aware of. Um, <laughs> Especially since I didn't even bother to watch the preview, so I'm like a babe in the woods here. Um, we've discussed the the Sansa talking to Theon about you know having friends in the north, and uh, Marjorie's in prison and looking less perfect than she usually does. Well, really, she is. Marjorie in prison. Marjorie in prison. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I like the prison. Some of the, okay, well, not... <laughs> the prison scenes that I'm referring to, I enjoy quite a lot. Uh, I like The ones stuff. from the book? Yeah, the, with the septas. Yes. The wind, yeah. Yeah. Love it. It could be, it. It'd be interesting. Yep. What know, else? Man. What else is happening? Oh, that's it, right? That's that's it. Just Thorn stirring up things on the wall. John John Snow wasn't in this episode, but do we want to toast to him anyway? Who else would we yes. toast to? Oh, no one. <laughs> Let's toast to John Snow. To All the right. absent Greyjoys. <laughs> <laughs> thank God. Um, thank, thank the Drown thank God. The drown God. <laughs> yeah. All right. To Lord Commander John Snow. To Lord Commander John Snow. To Lord Commander John Snow. All Thanks, right. guys. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Good times. And so he broke that sacred oath, that Lord of the Crossing. And now the pie crusts cover his kin, and they're so good to eat. Yes, now the pie crusts cover his kin. Revenge it tastes so sweet. Because <laughs> there was no wedding feast. <laughs> no, which means there was no free pie. pie. And I'm really upset about it. <laughs> and we said a long time ago, there's no free pie, we riot. So it's time to riot. Fucking riot, man. That's it. That's it. Tomorrow I'm starting 400 Twitter bots. <laughs> and they're all going after Brian Cogman about free pie. That's all it's going to be about. Hell, I mean, like, yes. seriously, where were the Manderlings? Put it in the outro. There are no, there were no northern houses represented at that wedding. None, so none. They did it in front of a heart tree, but ho- who cares? Nobody was there. Were there, were there any houses represented besides the Boltons? Oh, no. that's yeah. that's the only thing that pisses me off. Because Ramsay killed the neighbors, but if they had brought in <laughs> some of the other northern houses to witness the wedding, we could have had the fucking Manderleys. Now, wouldn't that have been amazing? And then maybe the we Manderleys... And then maybe the Manderleys could have been some, like, really good allies within the castle. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. Would you try this piece of pie? Pie! Lady. <laughs> Pass the pie. Where, where's Walda? I don't know. <laughs> pie. Whoops. <laughs> She's Very the only fray they got, okay? Like, <laughs> people are going to come after me for saying we should eat Walda. <laughs> 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 <laughs>